Uh, my name is Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here at Creekside, and it's a blessing to be here with you all this morning. If you're new, welcome. It's great to have you. We have been in a series on the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's been quite the journey with the main character, the preacher, who has sought out meaning and purpose under the heavens. So what does that mean? It means he's been pursuing the meaning of life through pleasure, wisdom, justice, and achievement. And in all of it, he comes back to the same place. It's chasing after something that's meaningless. It's chasing after the wind. You try to grasp it, but you can't. Now, today, we're going to hear about the pursuit and the path of accumulation. In other words, cultivating a life that is devoted to more, more money, more stuff, more life, the path of accumulation. But before we jump in, you guys can already tell that I am not doing the regular intro that I would. One, I'm sitting, two, I'm not trying to make you guys laugh or bring up something that's funny or super engaging. Uh, the truth is, the passage today is not a fun one. It's really not. I mean, it's, uh, it's something I did not have fun studying. And I'm going to be up front with you guys today about what we're talking about. We're going to talk about oppression of the poor. We're going to talk about the pursuit of wealth, long life, and wisdom. And of course, we find out that all of it's like chasing after the wind. There is no purpose. And then we're going to discuss the fact that the preacher blames God for the unhappiness of people. And in fact, uh, even the comparison that the preacher uses is a rough one um, to process. Uh, he brings up the fact that it would be better for a rich person who can't find joy in their stuff uh, to be a stillborn. Or it's better to be a stillborn than to be that type of person. Now, I know that all these subjects can be triggering and we're hitting them all in one fell swoop. And I can understand why this example is triggering for many of us. In fact, uh, even Heidi and I, uh, in 2020, we had a miscarriage. And it was tragic and it was really hard to process. And I don't know if we, we will ever truly process everything. And I know there's a difference between a miscarriage and a stillborn, but that idea of a life pursuit that you thought you were going to have being stripped away, that's something we can all relate to. That is a section of scripture we're looking at today, and it's a long section of scripture. And so I wanted to bring this up before we dive in and before we read all these verses, because I don't want you guys to be caught off guard. And I want you to understand that as we read this, it was difficult for me to process. It's not an easy subject, but it's one that we within the church walls need to talk about. And so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ecclesiastes 5.8. And we're going to read the rest of chapter 5, and then we're going to read chapter 6. So if you don't like my reading voice, this is not the Sunday for you because we are reading a lot. So Ecclesiastes 5, 8. 
And it says this. If you see in a providence the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivate fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much. But the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came, and shall take nothing from his toil that he may carry away in his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun, the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. There is an evil I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possession, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires, yet God does not give him power to enjoy them. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place. All of the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This is also vanity and a striving after wind. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what, God, or what man is 
and that he is not able to dispute which one stronger than him. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? Uh, It's a lot of verses. But as we can see, this sermon is not about how evil working or money or wisdom is. It's a sermon about how we cannot make those be our life purpose. So as we head into the sermon, I think it's important, one, to pray for the sermon and pray for these words, but also pray for our hearts. Because whether you're rich or poor, you're pursuing something that is taking the place of God. Money is just an easy one to bring up because the rich want more money while those that are poor just need money to survive. So their focus is still money. So let's pray as we head into these passages. God, I pray that you you would go before us. Lord, these passages are not easy, but they're here for a reason. So Lord, I pray that we would recognize that the pathway of accumulation is worthless. But the way of Jesus is easy and light. Lord, I pray that we would come to a place of contentment. In Jesus' name, amen. So the preacher is bringing us to a place where we will understand the darkness of the pursuit of accumulation. In verses 5, 8 through 9, we see that the path of accumulation has some form of oppression, a part of it. Because one person's gain is another person's loss. And we see that the oppression of the poor leads to the gain for others. In fact, it says, one high official was watched by a higher and yet another one. And then it leads to the king getting everything, right? This is systematic oppression. That one person has to oppress one person, but then there's somebody above them that's oppressing them. And it just goes back and goes back and goes back. And what is to gain? Nothing other than the person in power gaining more power and more money. That's it. And that's what we observe for this. But we're not surprised by that, really. We've seen enough movies to know that that's a real thing, TV shows, news segments. It's not new. If you know anything about the history of our country, we know that the oppression of one group of people has led to where we are today. That is the reality of where we're at. But we also know that it's happening today. Russia invading Ukraine, happening as we're speaking. Or even we see news stories after news stories of somebody who's rich and elite taking advantage of poor people through taxes and welfare. This is not new to us. When wealth is our primary goal, it leads to hurting other people because we don't care. We just want more money. It doesn't matter who it hurts. And yet, as verses 10 through 12 show us, money will not satisfy Wealth will not satisfy. In fact, the New Living Translation for verse 10 says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. 
And verses 11 through 12 don't get much better. They say that a wealthy person has nothing better to do than to watch money slip through their fingers. And a wealthy person has a hard time sleeping even with their stomachs full. See, if wealth is our only goal, that's all we think about. We think about how it slips through our fingers. We think about ways to make more money. We keep a notepad by our bed if we wake up in the middle of the night to drop down some ideas of how we can make more money. And eventually, it leads to a life that's anxious. It leads to being sleepless, to sacrificing family and time. And some of us are so anxiously seeking the next thing that it's impossible to truly live here in this moment. Because the pursuit of money is never ending. As John D. Rockefeller once said when asked, he said, or the question was, how much money is enough money? He replied, just a little bit more. This is the first sighted billionaire, and I know what some of you might be thinking. This is a famous quote. Maybe it didn't happen, but it's a famous quote, and it gets at the heartbeat of what we're talking about today. Because when this is our mindset, we lose sleep. We become anxious because we just want a little bit more. Our meaning and purpose in life should never be tied to something that could be taken away so easily. And that's what's hinted at in verses 13 through 17. We see it clearly that we can't take money with us and money is problematic. In fact, 16 through 17 really hit hard on this. In the New Living Translation, it translates those two verses by saying this. It says, all their hard work is for nothing. Their lives are frustrated, discouraged, and angry. Now, why would scripture say this? Probably because if accumulation of wealth is your only pursuit, you lose sight of what really matters. You embark on a journey of seeking more and more, and yet there is always more to seek. It's a never-ending cycle. You stop caring about anything else, and all you do is you seek more, which means you give up everything that's important to chase after a dream that you will never be able to truly grasp. And Honestly, money is not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing. It can be used as a tool for good. Money helps get your family cared for. It helps care for others. You can buy a house. You can buy a car. You can do home renovations, right? Having money is not a bad thing. Some of you have really good jobs. That is not a bad thing. But if money is your only goal in life, you will lose what you set out to get that money for. If you pursue a home renovation and you're like, I just need to work some more hours, I just need to work some more hours, I just need to work some more hours so I can do blank for my family, once you do whatever is in the blank, where's your family at? They've been missing you that entire time. They've been wanting a relationship with you that entire time. The path of accumulation is that concept right there that you lose sight of the most important things. So what is it that you're pursuing? And is that pursuit causing you to miss out on what matters most? And just in case you don't know what that is, the preacher reminds us in verses 18 through 20. The preacher says that it is good for people to eat, drink, and find joy in their toil. And he adds that it's a gift from God. The enjoyment of life in the present. 
it is very difficult to enjoy your meal if you're not living in the present. It's very difficult to enjoy your work or your toil or whatever is happening in your life if you're so focused on the next thing. So what the preacher is actually saying here is are you able to enjoy what is happening right now in your own context, right here in the reality that you have been placed? Because if you can find enjoyment in the present by eating, drinking, and finding joy, that is for everyone, rich or poor. We can choose to do that. Each day is a gift from God no matter what is happening in your life. And some of your guys' stories and what's happening right now is rough. It is truly rough. But even the fact that we're sitting here today is a gift from God. The fact that we can breathe, the fact that most of us in here have shoes on right now, there are parts of the world they don't have shoes. Everything is a gift from God. And we need to learn what it means to be grateful for what we have and what we gain. And it's very difficult when you're on the path of accumulation to be grateful or thankful for anything. Because even if you get what you want, even if you gain, you just want to gain more. And the truth is an unsatisfied heart will continue to be unsatisfied even when it gets what it wants. And that is at the heartbeat of chapter 6, 1 through 6. And as I said, I do not like this section of scripture. It is a tough section that I'm not happy that the preacher uses a stillborn child as an example. Yet the core of this text, these six verses, is the heartbeat of the message today. It is the core realization that if a rich person, or even insert yourself, is pursuing something that you can't find joy in the process or you can't be content with what you have, you will never find rest. Whereas a stillborn does find rest. And if you've had a miscarriage or stillborn, I want you to get a little bit of comfort in that. that they're at rest. And the preacher, he recognizes this. He recognizes the fact that there are people that have everything they want, but they can't be happy. And he's angry about it. I mean, why, if somebody has pursued wealth, long life, and everything they want, and they get it, why can't they be happy? Well, the preacher looks at this and he says, well, it's God's fault. Just blame God for it. And to be honest, I don't agree with where the preacher comes to in this. And I'm not saying that because I'm a pastor. I've been angry with God. All of us have been angry with God before. And that's why I don't believe what the preacher is saying here. Because we've all wanted something in our life. Maybe it was a healing for somebody or a prayer or maybe it is more money. But we received the answer, no. No. We are so quick to blame God in those instances. We're so quick to be like, well, God, I asked you for this much, and you gave me this? God, you're not even listening. We do that constantly in our lives. That's what the preacher is doing here. We often blame God for our own heart's faults, for the faults of what humans do to us 
or what we have done to humans, we blame God for it. That is what the preacher is doing here. Because we're looking at a section of scripture that is about the pursuit of more. And no matter how much a person gains, if their heart is not content, they'll never be content. And if our life purpose is just to get more, our mind and our bodies will be fixated on more, 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 which means we will never be able to enjoy the present. And that is not God's fault. God longs for us to be in the present with him, to be grateful and content with what we have. But the path of accumulation makes it impossible to live in the present. And if you're on the path of accumulation, whether it's money, whether it's a new car, whether it's something else that you truly, truly want, you will miss out on the greatest things in life your family, your friends, food, and even your own wealth, because they won't be enough. You'll just want more. And that's not really living. And it seems to me that's why the preacher brings a stillborn into this equation. Because if a person is pursuing riches and gets everything they want, but they can't be happy with it. They are so close to life, but they never are experiencing it. And a stillborn never gets to experience the light of day. Just like a rich person or a person that's pursuing something other than God will never be able to experience the joys of today and the light of today because they're constantly pursuing the light of tomorrow. And when tomorrow arrives, they're not grateful for it. They just want the next day. It is better to live a content life than to always want more. And this is exactly where verses 7 and 9 lead us. They hint at this idea that what is right in front of us is better than what we seek to obtain but cannot attain. As a commentary put it this week, it said, the general idea of this is what is present in hand is much better than what one only desires and one does not have. What is to gain if we want more food, wisdom, and wealth, but we can't enjoy it? It's worthless. I mean, have you ever really wanted something in your life, right? Like it was your one goal. Maybe you had to work a couple extra hours to make the money for it. Or maybe you were a kid and you're like, if I just get this toy, I'm going to be happy for the rest of my life. And you're just pursuing that one thing. You think about it day and night. You go to sleep and you dream about it. And then you finally get that thing. And you have one of two responses. Either one, you get it and you're like, oh, great. I want the next thing. Or two, you get it, and it's not everything it's cracked up to be. You get upset by the fact that you finally got it. And the worst part about those two responses is you never take a second to step back and be grateful. Grateful for the fact that you finally got what you've been praying about, what you've been wanting, and maybe God's silence and saying no is the response that you actually need to. Can we be content with silence and a no? And the funny part in life is that we control so little, so little. 
but we can control whether we are grateful and content with what we do have. And the preacher reminds us of that in verses 10 through 12 of the simple truth that one, we can't take anything with us when we die. For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? But also, this entire section is a very complicated set of verses that is about how God has named everything. So who are we to fight him? Who are we to try to outgun God? That is what these verses are about. This is where the preacher has been led. We started with the oppression of the poor. Then we learned that to pursue wealth is to never be satisfied. In fact, we learned that if that's our only goal, we'll lose sleep. Then we found out that the best thing we can do is just eat, drink, and enjoy our toil. And the preacher should have stopped there, but we know the preacher by now, and he doesn't stop where things are good. So he continues. And he says, learn to be content. And then he concludes all of this about how the path of accumulation is worthless. We can't control the future. We can't take anything with us. That is where we are left. And now I truly understand if some of you are hearing this message and you are nervous, right? You're sitting there like, well, I'm pursuing blank because I know that this is going to add value to my life. Or maybe you're sitting here and you're hearing a message about wealth and you've already checked your bank statement. I understand that too. I just want to remind you of the kind words of Jesus that says, come to me and you will find rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those are the words of Jesus. And Jesus spoke on money often. And yet he never said anything about the gain in it. Instead, he said, have a position and a heart that sees money as a tool, not something to be pursued, but instead something to be given, something to bless the people around you. In fact, Jesus says that you can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and love money. And yet God is this father that loves you. And the path of accumulation is this path of materialism, of wealth, of wanting more and more, and it is never ending. And all of us are pursuing something. Whether you're rich or poor, there is something in your life that you are pursuing more than God, something that is taking the place of God in your life. And I want to remind you today of the simple words of Jesus from Matthew 6, 19. But I don't want you guys to open your Bibles to that. I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I want you to listen to these words. Put yourself at the feet of Jesus as he says these words to you. Let these words wash over you. Jesus said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. 
but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, or if then darkness is in you, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. And Jesus doesn't stop there. He says this next. He says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not your life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not a more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? But seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You can open your eyes. These are the very words of Jesus. He is painting a picture here of why are we so anxious? Why is it that we seek to serve two masters? He flat out says in these verses that you cannot serve God and money. And yet we continually do this in America. We do. And yet here we have seen two pathways this morning. One, the pathway of accumulation, which if truly pursued, leaves us broken and alone. It leaves us anxious. It leaves us losing sleep. It makes us want more, 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 more. Never content, never okay with what we've been given. And then on the other side, we see the path of Jesus. And I'm not saying it's easy at all. But we see the path of Jesus saying, come to me. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Why are you anxious about these things? Do you not recognize you have more value than the birds of the air? And yet I feed the birds. Do we recognize our value? Our value does not come from our stuff. It does not come from money. Our value comes from the fact that we are sons and daughters of a living God. And so as we head into a time of worship, I'd love to close this time with prayer and a question for you to think about. It's your choice who you want to serve. But who is it that you're trying to serve? So Lord, as we worship, I simply just put everyone in your hands, Lord. I pray if we're coming in here with a lot of angst or anxiety and we hear a message about wealth and we go really at church, 
God, I pray that we would lay our requests at your feet, whether that's more money or we've been on this path of just needing blank. God, whatever that thing is, I pray that we would put it before you and say, Lord, one, bless this if I do get it. But two, Lord, help my heart be content if I don't. Lord, I pray that our eyes would be fixated on you a God that cares about us, a God that looks over us, that even in the midst of chaos, we can sit and be content because you gave us today. Lord, I pray for the heavy hearts in this room that we would wrestle with who are we serving why am I serving this? And Lord, I pray that we would come to a place of peace before your cross, submitting all to you. Amen.